Look at your other neighbor that now feels a little insecure because you didn't choose them first. And say, you know God's good too. Can we get into the Word? Can I show you a picture of something before we get into the Word? Is that all right? I need, I need to show you a picture of, of, of um, my granddaughter. I can't believe I'm even saying such a thing. Yeah. She's a little bitty thing. I mean, she's real small. She's only three pounds, and today I think she's three pounds and 13 ounces. So she's small. And she's in the NICU, but listen, she's feisty. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where she gets that from, but she's feisty. Yeah, there she is. She's like, come on, G-Daddy. Don't nobody say Grandpa. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's a mess. But thank you for your prayers and uh, your faithfulness and, and your blessing. It's awesome for, um, for what you've, uh, the love you've extended us. But uh, I thought I would give you a shot of, of a beautiful baby. Amen? Amen. Come on. Hey, listen, I'm going to let you be seated. I'm going to let you be seated. I know some of you probably have already done that anyway. So I'm going to let you join the others. I want to take you to a narrative of Scripture today that I pray that God will use to enlighten our spirits. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. Or just look on the screen if you don't have your Bible your cell phone or whatever, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Mm. Now, let me just say this about this passage of Scripture. It is self-explanatory. When you read it, you're going to be like, you know, it's just self-explanatory. It will preach itself. However, there are some behind-the-scenes things that are taking place in this narrative of Scripture that I want us to explore so that we have a better context for what's really taking place here. And before I set, uh, um, before we read that, let me set this series up. We're starting a brand new series today. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, Easter is on its way. Look at your other neighbor and say, Easter's coming. We're a few weeks away from Easter where in Christendom we, we celebrate and we, we shout and we scream over the resurrection of our Savior. Where the first, the last, the beginning, the end, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, the Word that became flesh, Jesus who dwelt among us, became our Savior and sacrificed His life and died on a cross and was placed in a borrowed tomb because He wouldn't be there very long. He kicked open the door. He walked out on the third day and so we celebrate. We celebrate Easter not because of a funeral, but because of a resurrection. Mm. So before I get my preach on, can, can you put her, Jeff, a little bit in these monitors right here? I want to hear. I know she's playing awesome, so I want to be able to hear. Yeah. I don't know. My ADHD was kind of going everywhere, so I needed to hear that. So over the next few weeks... Today we're beginning a conversation that will ultimately culminate on Easter morning. Let me give you the title of this series. I want you to get acquainted to, with your neighbor. Look at them and say, Strange Encounters. Strange Encounters. Now look at your other neighbor and give to them the title of today's message, and that is Get Out of Your Seat. Mm, sounds like a mandate. Get out of your seat. You see, what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to look at strange encounters that Jesus had with people. 
just some awkward situations, some strange things that Jesus said. Because Jesus said some strange things, some things that were awkward. We're going to look at some things in, that are like, Jesus said that? Why did Jesus say that? I can't believe Jesus said, Jesus did what? You know, those awkward things that Jesus did that sometimes we overlook because when we think about the character of Jesus, we want to place Jesus in this box that we're comfortable with. We want to think about Jesus as the meek and mild Savior. Jesus, who's a loving Jesus, a healing Jesus, the Jesus that says, bring all the children unto me, that Jesus, the Jesus that says, if you're tired, I'll give to you rest, come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden, that Jesus, the Jesus that looked at the blind dude and said, I want you to go to the pool of Siloam and I want you to wash in that pool with it's full of rose petals and fragrances. But Jesus also said some controversial things. Jesus said some radical things. Jesus said some things that maybe go against the, 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 the box that you've placed him in. Jesus looked at some religious leaders and he said, you, you brood of vipers. Jesus walks up into the temple and starts turning tables over, over and telling people to get out. There are some things that Jesus said and he did. Sometimes we sanitize Jesus and we bring him down to someone who we're comfortable with. But Jesus said some awkward things, some strange things. He had some strange encounters that ultimately led him to be killed. He said some strange things that caused people to put him on a cross. And today I want to look at one of those strange conversations that he had with a church. An entire church. It was an impromptu sermon that Jesus gave. And so I want to read to you this narrative and I want to read some and then I want to preach some. Is that all right? Is that all right? I didn't get to preach last week, so we're going to get our preach on today, okay? Somebody said preach it. So here's what happens. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Ooh, somebody ought to circle that. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Now, hang on for a second. This is at the very onset of the ministry of Jesus. You see, just prior to this, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And when Jesus was baptized and he went down and he came up, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and the voice of his father, God from heaven says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and I love him. And Tanya, immediately after coming out of the water and towel drying off, he leaves and goes to the wilderness for 40 days. For 40 days, the enemy attacks him there. For 40 days, the enemy tries to overcome him, but he overcame the enemy. And the Bible says that when he came out of the desert, he was full of the Spirit. That could only mean that sometimes God uses the wilderness in order to prepare us for what he's about to do through us. So we can continue to read here, picking up in verse 16. It says, he went to Nazareth place where he's from where he had been brought up and on the sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom i love that he was used to worshiping with other people as was his custom he stood up to read 
and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. What I love about this is it proves to us that Jesus had this this custom of, of worshiping God with other people. Now what you need to understand is there was this flow and agenda of service when you went to the synagogue. First there was opening prayer. Then there was the reading from the law. Then there was the reading from the prophets. And then there was a sermon. But on this day, Jesus rolls up into the synagogue. He bounces into the synagogue. He walks up to the attendant. He takes from him the scroll. He opens up the scroll and he reads down the scroll until he gets to verses 18 and 19 where the prophet Isaiah is talking about the coming Messiah. So here's what Jesus reads. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he reads this and this is the mission of Christ. He said, I came to proclaim the good news. I came to bind up the brokenhearted. I came to free those who are oppressed. I came to set the captive free. I came to heal those who are blind and to give to them sight. That was the mission of God. That was his anointing. That was his, 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 his agenda. That's what he was supposed to do. That's what he was empowered to do. You see, you are anointed for a very specific task. A king is only as anointed as the subjects that he covers. It does not say, oh, that's good. Hold on a second. Grab that. A king is only as anointed as the subjects that he covers. It does not say he's the king to the rich because that would mean he's only a king to the few. It says that he's a king to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to those who are oppressed, to those who need to be set free, to the blind so that they can now see. That means he's a gift to the world. That's why Jesus Christ, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life thank you Brandon but here is Jesus reading this scroll about himself he gets to the place where the prophet Isaiah who prophesied 700 years before is talking about the Messiah and here is the Messiah reading a description about himself grab this and then verse 20 look what it says it says then he rolled up the scroll He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Let me act this out. Mark, would you bring me a chair, any chair? Just grab a chair for me. Let me act this out. So here is Jesus. He rolls up, not the whole row, just any chair. Thank you. I knew this was going to be a difficult task. That's why I chose Mark. Thank you, Mark. So here is Jesus. Just place it right there for me, Mark, if you would. Thank you. <laughs> so here is, here is Jesus. Comes strolling up into the synagogue. Walks over to the attendant. Grabs the scroll. 
opens up the scroll, reads down until he finds verses 18 and 19, if you will. He then says that I came to proclaim the good news to the world, to set the captive free, to open up blind eyes, to bind up the brokenhearted. He rolls it back up. He walks back over to the attendant. Then he goes back to his seat and he sits down and the Bible says that every eye in the place was fastened upon him. You think? I mean, it's not proper etiquette. The dude just broke into an impromptu sermon. He introduced himself to the world. This was his coming out party. It would be like someone coming to church walking down the aisle as I'm preaching, walking up to me, wanting to take the microphone from me to say that they have a word. First off, I punched them in the mouth, so don't ever try it. <laughs> Just saying. But if for some reason you won the fight, you would have the microphone, and that person would say, I came to proclaim the good news to the poor, to set the captive free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the blind person and make them whole. And then he walks back over to me and hands me the microphone. And then he walks back to his seat and he sits down. Y'all be like, this dude's crazy. But in this particular situation, everybody's eyes were fastened upon him. No one was thinking at this moment that Jesus is crazy. However, it was a pretty crazy scene. In fact, look at verses 21 let me show you this. Verses 21, it goes on to say, He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Grab that. So he's sitting down on the chair now and he's saying, Today this scripture, the one that I just read about me, it's now fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed. Someone say amazed. All spoke well of him and were amazed that the that those words, those gracious words, came from his lips. Hold on a second. All who spoke, all spoke well of him and were amazed, and were amazed, and were amazed. So Luke is telling us the disposition of the crowd. All who saw him speak, they were amazed at him, and their eyes were fixated upon him, and silence befalls the crowd. They're not saying this dude is crazy, but rather his words are so powerful. He has such a way with words that he says this. He comes back to his seat, and he sits down, and everyone's eyes in the place are fixed upon him, and they're amazed at his word. It only stands to reason that they would be amazed at his words because here is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us and the word is giving a word about himself. It only stands to reason that they would be amazed at what he would say even though it was an unorthodox methodology. Here is the word, the same word who spoke the universe into place. The same word who spoke the stars into the sky is now giving a word about himself that was given 700 years before and now he's walked up into the church and he said y'all are doing church wrong. So let me tell you how you're supposed to do church. I came to proclaim the good news to the poor. I came to set the captive free. I came to bind up the brokenhearted. I came to heal those who are blind. All of a sudden, the anointed of the most high God walks up there into the place and says, here I am. Here I am. And everyone's eyes were fixed upon him. 
He was anointed for such a purpose as this. You see, some of you, God has anointed you for a, a certain purpose. He has empowered you with his anointing. But yet, you've chosen to be spectators. To look at someone else's anointing rather than operating under the anointing and the empowerment that God has for your life. You're watching someone else's anointing rather than living your own. The Bible says, and their eyes were fixed upon him. I want you to think about this with me for a moment. The enemy tried to set Jesus down in the wilderness just before this. The enemy came and attacked him for 40 days just before this. The enemy came trying to squelch his voice just before this. What you need to understand is that sometimes the agitation of, uh, of isolation is really the education that is preparing you for what God's about to do through you. He, the enemy was trying to set Jesus down, but God. The enemy was trying to set Jesus down, but God. The enemy wants to set you down. You see, he wants to set you down so that you cannot realize who you are in Christ. So that he can keep you from a position that God has for you. He wants to put you in a seat so that you'll miss the position that God has for you. I wrote something down. I don't want to miss this, so I want to give it to you the way I wrote it down. The enemy wants to relegate you to a seat so that he can rob you of a position. But God. And when your mouth begins to open up and you get out of your seat and the empowerment of the anointing that he wants to give to you, when your mouth begins to match up with the word of God, all of heaven will be released on your behalf and you'll be able to do the very things that God has called you to do. Here's Jesus, 30 years old, bouncing up into the synagogue, interrupting everything, grabbing the scroll, opening it up, saying, that's me, this, that, that, me, that's me. Why could he do this? Because he knew who he was. And for some of you, I don't know who this is for, but until you know who you are, you'll be relegated to a seat when God is trying to elevate you to a position. I need that to sit in your spirit. Because some of you, you you're, you've had opportunities to have some strange encounters, but they feel way too strange, so you don't want to do them. You've had some opportunities to have some strange encounters, but you, oh man, that's just too strange for me to forgive that person. Oh, that's just too strange for me to, to, to love that person that's unlovable. Oh, it's just too strange for me to walk up into work and have a change of attitude because I don't like that place. Listen, it's going to feel strange when you begin to operate under the anointing because your flesh is being fought after and beat back by the Spirit of God so that you'll begin to live the life that He's called you to live. It's always going to feel a little bit awkward. You may say this job is not what I thought it would be. It doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. Well, maybe God's trying to change the way it looks through you. You might be saying, I don't understand this, but God is saying, I'm with you. I chose you. Just hang on to me and trust in me because I want to do something supernatural through you. So here, here's Jesus. 
coming up into the synagogue. You got to grab this. You know how awkward this had to be. He grabs the scroll. He reads, I came to proclaim the good news to the poor, to set the captive free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to turn blind eyes into eyes that can see. He answered two questions. He answered two questions right here. Because you have to remember, the Jewish culture had been waiting upon a Messiah for hundreds of years. When's he coming? When's he coming? Who's Isaiah talking about? Who is it that Isaiah is talking about when he says this? Because he's quoting from the prophecy that Isaiah gave 700 years before. Who is it that he's, when he says that he will, I will, he will proclaim good news to the poor and he will set the captive free, he will bind up the brokenhearted, who is he talking about? And Jesus answers the first question. He's talking about me. <laughs> Awkward. Strange. And then he answers the second question. Well, when is this supposed to take place? Because, Paul, they had been wondering when. When? When is all this going to happen? And then he says, now is the time. And just as soon as he says, you know, now is the time, and they begin to realize who he is, grab this. Do you remember when I said that when Jesus was baptized and when he came up, the voice of God said, this is my son. You know, he has a real deep voice that just resonates like this. He doesn't sound like Darth Vader, none of that stuff. But this is my son, whom I love. God proclaimed who Jesus was. The coronation of God coming to earth was now being fulfilled through Jesus Christ, an Old Testament prophecy that had been given 700 years before. This is my son. Now, as everyone's eyes were fixed upon Jesus, the moment that he said, it's, this is me that we're talking about, and, and the time is now, then all of a sudden the Bible says, look back at the last verse we read. It said, uh, all spoke of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But then they had a little resentment. Isn't this Joseph's son? Hold on a second. Didn't God just say, this is my son? And now they're giving him a different title? They've become so used to him and so familiar with him that this cannot be, this cannot be, this can't be the, the, the son of God. Isn't this Joseph's son? You see, he came out of the wilderness ready to preach. The Bible says he was anointed with the Spirit, ready to preach. And just as soon as he begins to preach, people begin to try to beat him back. He came out of the wilderness ready to preach with the Spirit of God upon him. Sometimes you have to experience the rain before you can experience the sunshine. Sometimes you have to experience the wilderness before you can experience what God is trying to do through you. And so here he is coming out. God has just announced him to be his son. But now they're like, isn't that, isn't that Joseph's son? The point that I'm trying to make is sometimes people will not recognize in you what God said about you. Lord have mercy. Put, put that on a screen somewhere so they can write that down. Sometimes people will not recognize in you what God has said about you. He said, I came to proclaim the good news. 
I came to set the captive free, to bind up the brokenhearted. I came to give sight to the blind. I am the son of God. Isn't this Joseph's son? I came so that I may proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the blind. You see, what I'm trying to say to you is sometimes things in your life may look different than what God said. But if God said it, you've got to hold on to what he said rather than what you see. You see, you may feel like God told you that you should have peace, but yet all you can feel is anxiety. Hold on to what he said. You may feel like God said that I am with you and I will never leave you, but all you feel is loneliness. Hold on to what God said. You may feel like the facts outweigh your faith, but you need to hold on to what God said, not what someone else said, because he's saying I am with you, I am for you i know we're talking about what jesus said but what you need to understand is when your mouth begins to line up with his word all of heaven's authority will be poured out on your behalf and when it's poured out on your behalf you'll be able to do every single thing that stands in front of you good god almighty somebody say get out of your seat let me read you something verses 23 through 27 Watch this, verses 23 through 27. Is this okay? Everybody with me? Here's what verse 23 says. It says, Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. Hold on a second. You got to grab this. What's happened is sometimes we can take the presence of God for granted. And so they're taking... Jesus Christ, Son of God, God Himself incarnate. They're taking His presence for granted because what they're asking for is a sign that you are who you say you are. Hold on a second. They even say to Him, You over in Capernaum, we've heard some stuff that you've done over there. You see, Jesus was so rejected in Nazareth that he went over to this little fishing village, Capernaum. And all kinds of miracles happened there because the people were hungry for the presence of God. But right now he's in Nazareth and he's being disqualified or they're taking his presence for granted. And so they're asking for a sign. And what Jesus is saying, the reason why, Mike, you are not receiving from God what he has for you is because you're rejecting me. And then he gives them the example. He says, you know, 
when Elisha was around and he was this great prophet, there was this dude, y'all all remember him, they would have all known the story about Naaman. And he says to them, do you think Naaman was the only dude who had leprosy during that day? No, he was not. There were many who had leprosy. But yet Naaman was the only one who heard the word and acted on the word. Naaman was the only one who heard the word and got out of his seat. Naaman was the only one when he heard the word of Elisha, you go to the Jordan River and you dip seven times. Naaman was like, that's awkward. That sounds strange. I don't know if I should do that because it just seems so strange because in my homeland, I've got waters that are crystal clear and the Jordan River is nasty. It's muddy. So I don't know. But then he began to think about it and he acted on God's word and he went down the first time and he came up and nothing happened. He said, this is strange. He went down the second time. Nothing happened. He said, this is awkward. He went down the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time. But on the seventh time, he came up and he had skin like a baby. You see, what you need to understand is it's not good enough just to have the seed of God planted in your heart. What only makes that seed grow is when you get up out of your seat. You push that seat behind you and you go after it. You go after that person and you tell that person about Christ. You go after that person that seems to be hard to love and you love them. You have a strange encounter. You forgive that person who's hurt you. You invite that person to church. You tell that person about Christ. You get up out of your seat and go. You get up out of your seat and give. You get up out of your seat and love. Is somebody going to get up out of their seats up in this place? You see, the people in that crowd, in that church that day, they missed what God had for them. Because they heard a word, but they weren't willing to act upon the word. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, get up out of your seat. Get up out of your seat and go. Get up out of your seat and give. Get up out of your seat and belong. Get up out of your seat and, and, and forgive that person. And get up out of your seat. And that person who hurt you, I know it seems to be strange, but maybe you need to, to go to that person and offer to them your willingness to forgive them. Maybe you need to go to someone and ask them to forgive you. Get up out of your seat. Let me give you one more thing. I'm going to close, so don't sit down. One more thing. I was going to hold this off. but Everybody will not hear what God is speaking to you. Did you grab that? Everyone will not hear what God is speaking to you. Let me read you something. Because this story gets more strange in verse 28. So it says all of the people in the synagogue were furious. At first they were amazed. But now they're furious. They've gone from amazement to being so angry that watch what they do. When they heard this, they got up. Oh, now they want to get out of their seats. But watch for the wrong reason. They drove him out of town took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. You see, how they would stone you to death during that day and age is they would take you to the edge of a cliff and they would throw you over the cliff 
and then they would grab stones while you were at the bottom, knocked out, unconscious, and begin to hurl those stones upon you until you're dead. This is what they were planning on doing. He just announced, I came to proclaim the good news, to set the captive free, to bind up the brokenhearted. And all of the people in the synagogue went from amazement to, to being furious. And, and, and when they heard this, they got up, took him to the brow of the hill, and there were going to throw him off the cliff. But then Jesus is gangster. I'm just being for real. I'm, t I'm telling you, this stuff's in the Bible. It says Jesus was gangster. Y'all looking for it? Everybody looking for it? Like, eh, does it really say? It don't say that, y'all. Come on. <laughs> it says, but watch this. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That was strange, too. They're all holding stones ready to kill him. He's like, uh huh. Uh huh. You want some of this? <laughs> I, I feel like Jesus did that. I don't know if he did, but I just feel like he did. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Somebody look at your neighbor and say, get out of your seat. Let me pray over you. Father, everybody on your feet. Father.